0: everyone. Today's scripture is John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at, th- at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money back, Jesus was Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: All right. Thank you, Ellie, for reading the Lord's uh, word for us to get into together here in John chapter 13. You can turn there with me, though. We're not going to be there um, quite yet. I have a couple things I want to make you aware of. I do want to say, though... um, it's warm in the back there. Uh, th- we don't know why the air is not working in the back. So you're welcome to be right up here in the front. Um, there will be a time here in a moment where I'm going to pray and, uh, and we're going to stand. You can join. You can come up here and fill in. You can take my spot right there where I was. You can sit back here. Um, I don't mind. Just don't like do punniers or anything. But yeah, it's warm, so I want to acknowledge that. Up here, though, it's nice, right? We're... We're chilling, so you can, uh, you can either come on up or, or, or stay back. Um, uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad to, to be here together, and I have a couple things I want to make us all aware of before we, we get into it. One of them, um, I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as I go, and I want to make sure um, that you all know just what, what that is. Um, I also want to give you a brief update on a few things, one of them being a location, Okay, so we've done this from time to time, and we're going to do it again. The short news, I don't want to get your hopes up before uh, I go on, but there's the, basically the news is the same. Uh, we do not have a location, um, but I don't want to wait till we know something more um, and just kind of leave you all hanging and f- filling up our inboxes. Um, the, the charge is this, continue praying. Um, would you also join us, though, in thanking God? It, it's hard sometimes to do that as hard as the summer is, as hot as the summer is. we can thank the Lord that we live in a place that has air conditioning or swamp coolers, right? We can fight for uh, p- perspective. And so this is a time we would not we would love to not be in the same situation meeting on say, Saturday evenings and different stuff going on, but, but we, can, we can thank him for what he has provided. We can also pray and work to be faithful. Um, in the meantime, we're not gonna wait till we have a location to do the work of the ministry. We're, we're kinda kicking off the fall, um, not as we would any other year, but we are kicking it off, and we're seeking to pray for one another, to confess our sins to one another, to spur one another on, to live all of life, all for Jesus, uh, together. Uh, amen. So that's that's where we are right now. Um, that Suva building on Country Club, I don't know if it'll make you mad or whatever. It, it, drive by it. It's a jungle right now. I mean, it's literally. Um, it's the the weeds are like this high. Um, it it f- fell through. Um, it's sad. I live right near it, so it's like I see it every day. But uh, it's sad. Um, we we were walking through that, but it, it never got out of the contract phase. So just in full disclosure, that's kind of where things stalled out and we were surprised by it. Um, we had a lot of help involved in the process, but it's it's not happening. So um, so that said, um, we don't have any other like obvious things that we're looking at, but we're praying. We'd encourage you, pray and also look. okay, look, you have full permission to go talk to someone, knock on doors, join us, you know, get on your bike, go around whatever, um, do what you do, walk around a building seven times, blow a trumpet outside of it if <laughs> however the Lord leads you. Uh, this is a team effort, okay. And if something gets beyond that, uh, and some doors do actually open, um, then give us an email uh, message uh, Tucson at redemptionaz.com. We will we will look into it with you. So, anyway, that's that update. I also just want to say briefly that video uh, that we just watched. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have those every so often. Just it's called Inside redemption and all around different congregations. We're just doing those and we want to celebrate what the Lord's doing. And I don't know if you could see online. I encourage you to look it up on Redemption Arizona's website. If you couldn't see on the brick wall, or <laughs> you here? Um, if you couldn't tell, those were older women. And um, it's a beautiful ministry. I just want to celebrate that that the Lord using the breadth of his body. If you're here today and you're older than, I don't know, 30, uh, like me, we're older. We're in the older generation, and you're needed. Uh, You're a part of the body, and we saw an uh, incredible example there of um, sisters in Christ serving and building community with each other, and um, there are all kinds of different ideas and and things that that the whole body of Christ is needed, so I just want to celebrate that, that kind of generational diversity that we see Um, And now, um, lastly, I I want to acknowledge that we're going into the fall season, and and we want to pray for and acknowledge um, people who work with students or work in academia, work in education in some way. So um, I know we have a number of parachurch ministries that were kind of really ramping up last week, groups like Young Life, and Navigators, and Inner Varsity, and Crew, and Athletes in Action, and student mobilization. I don't know if I left anyone out. Um, But there are a bunch of groups that that, that are, are a part of the same thing we're doing, just really carrying out the good news of Jesus in all kinds of different ways. And then also we have educators and students in here from elementary school to through college. So if you're involved with education in some way, um, would, you, would you stand? We want to pray for you. We want to even identify you and see you. Um, so if you also, again, if you're a part of a parachurch ministry, if you serve in some way, if you're a student, would you stand, too, if you're a student? It's not just for teachers. There we go. I'm looking at people. I'm like, hey, you should be standing right now. I'll call names next. Um, but, yeah, so if you're a student, a teacher in ministry with students or teachers, um, high school, college, elementary, go ahead and stand. We want to see you and pray for you. Um, Cheyenne Bell is going to is gonna pray for all of us as we kick off this fall.
2: God, we just... Um come before you right now, and we ask for strength for the the people standing in this room um, going into um, another school year, whether they're teachers or part of a parachurch ministry, God, um, we just ask that you be in that this year um, for them, and we um, just, we boldly ask you to give them um, the strength to proclaim your truth, even if it goes against what's popular, um, that you would just give them that courage, Lord, um, and that you can equip them with all the fruits of the Spirit, specifically patience um, pouring into youth. We don't always get to see the fruit of the seeds we're planting, so um, just give us that endurance as we um, hopefully bring um, your children to you, back to you, God, God. Um, thank you for everyone in this room and we lift these things up in your name amen
1: amen amen go ahead and have a seat and and uh, yeah thank you so much Cheyenne there for for praying for us and again offer is still open if you're sweating bu- bullets c- come on up find another seat up here um uh I'll only call you out a lo- little bit so go ahead and turn in uh, in in John chapter 13 and that's where we're, we're going to be and uh, while you're turning there, um, not a lot of Judases born this year. Um, I don't know if you, you, some of you are expecting kids, um, anyone planning on naming them Judas? Any, any Judases here, anyone named Judas? No, uh, not a real common name um, <laughs> among, among us culturally um, or elsewhere, why, why is that? All right, I think we have a pretty good idea. And uh, I think some of it, um, though, is not, not great. Um, what comes to mind for you when you think of this story as we read about Judas betraying Jesus? Okay, the title of our sermon is uh, Sinful Sorrow and the Hope of Christ. And, and yet most of us, when we think about Judas, we we picture, like, have you ever seen a m- movie that portrays it? Um, only one that I could think of is the Ten Commit Commandments, but that doesn't go all the way into Jesus, right? I don't know. Does anyone, there's some movie that everyone I've seen, like, what does Judas look like? Like, everyone else has these big, like, cuddly shepherd's beards, right? These, like, hipsters before for their time right they've got these beards that are all you know oiled and nice in there and then there's this some there's this guy lurking in the shadows with like a little thin goatee right and he's like wearing an anarchy shirt or he's he's sitting like kind of you know Mr. Burns on the Simpsons he's um he's 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 menacing and 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 it, and it gives us this perspective that I think is actually dangerous for us, that, that, that kind of we overly romanticize and overly um, kind of vilify Judas. And, and we keep it at an arm's length and we don't recognize actually how similar it is to the story that's going on in our own hearts and in our own worlds. And, and we, we, we fail, we struggle to actually um, come humbly and to grow because we have this wrong perspective, this view. I don't know if you, when even as I pressed in and 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 read this, and, and this this idea comes up that 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 it's like this, like they're all sitting there, right? Like they're all on the same side of the table, right? Jesus is like, hey guys, we're about to take a picture. Get on this side over here, you know? Look, look is gonna take our take our picture like over here, and then we we get th- and then there's this picture, and um and then uh, and then during the whole episode, at some point Jesus right he like washes their feet, which is kind of hard to do. He crawls under the table. He's like washing people's feet under the table, and it's kind of clunky. And then and then all of a sudden he kind of climbs out and he gets there, and they take their picture, and then he just goes, um w- w- one of you is gonna betray me, and uh and then someone's like, who is it? And he's like, uh, the one who I dipped this bread in, and he takes some bread, he dips it, and then he hands it to him. And then uh, everyone's like, all right, anyway, hey, can you uh, pass the butter, please? And like, it's like, dude, why didn't anyone call him out? Like, in a couple chapters here, Peter's going to like lop off an ear. He didn't just sh- like, sh- you know, shank Judas right there for that. Like, what, what's, it's just weird, like, why didn't this, why didn't, and, and it's because, again, our paradigm is broken. And this is just true in general, but especially right now, as we come before Scripture, we need to come humbly. We need to recognize the l- lenses we have on um, and, and, and the biases we have and, and do some hard work. Um, so let's, with that in mind, let's read what, what happened and then um, try, to, try to see what the Lord is telling us through John 13, verses 21 through 30 together. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus's side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, God bless you. So that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered him, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot." So just by r- reading it, hopefully we see that uh, Leonardo da Vinci scene was, uh, is off. But um, in this day in culture, this is what, let me show you a slide here of what it would've looked a little bit like. This kind of meal they were eating would've looked like this. Um, it's like a kind of a U-shaped um, table. It's bigger than this, but um, right there. And, and, and then so that way people can go in and serve in the m- middle and come around. And you see how people are laying. They would typically lay on their left elbow or kind of lean on their left elbow because in that part of the world, like in many places today, but at that time you didn't eat with your left hand. You ate with your right hand. So you'd lean and you could dip bread, you could do things like that, you could talk and and um, and you could interact you could see people across the table and down you could look, but people with Greater honor, closer to the host, or the, the 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 more honored person would would have the more prime spots. In the kind of the the the, the y- y- youngest child, y'all know who we are, right? Who had to always sit on someone's lap in the m- m- middle and whatever else it was. They got the b- b- bad seat. They were kind of it was harder to see. Or they maybe had to crank their neck to talk with the primary host but you can see even now as we looked at last week Jesus washing feet and the same is true and we've looked at before when Jesus when the um, woman which happened a couple times came in and washed Jesus's feet with her hair and poured oil it would be like this and, and so it's important just going forward get this image get Leonardo DiCaprio out of your mind sorry not Leonardo. get him out of your mind too all right Titanic you don't need, to, you don't need that up in here okay uh, Leonardo da Vinci the other one, um, named after Leonardo DiCaprio, um, uh, get that picture out of your mind and picture more of this scene. Okay? So you can see all the more the humbling reality of Jesus coming kind of downwind right, and at people's feet. And they had to turn around and like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. What? And it was this kind of a scene. So now if you can show the next slide, it will help us understand as well the way the seating likely was. Okay, so Jesus is likely there in this place of honor, and then John on his right, Judas on his left. Maybe it was flipped. I, to be totally, we'll see later, I actually think personally that Judas is in the place of honor, which would be on the right of Jesus. That's my take. A lot of commentaries have different thoughts on it, but because um, we'll see that Jesus honors Judas by dipping the bread and giving it to him. That's something that you did to like a king. You, you honored someone if you dipped bread and gave it to him. It was an honor. So um, all that to say, either way, right, Jesus is, is right there, and Judas and, and John are next to him. So they're laying down there, and then Peter's across the table, and this time it seems like Peter actually kind of says across the way, hey, John, like he gets his attention, who? And then John kind of leans over and asks Jesus, and Jesus tells him quietly so that only... And that moment, seemingly, only John knows. And all throughout John, we've seen John, the author, John, has some, some aha moments multiple times, right? We've seen him say, we thought this was happening, but he doesn't, it's like, but now in hindsight, now that I know everything, it was probably this. Jude, we thought Judas was doing this, but now in hindsight, he was probably actually skimming off the top. We didn't know it at the time. Okay, so, so again, we need to understand that now as we look at the sorrow of sin, Judas, hear me now, Judas was one of the boys. He, he was not the outsider lurking in the shadows. He's, he's close. He's sitting right next to Jesus. No one was asking, like, what is he, that chump, he's going to, like, no one knew. He was, he was one of the, the, the closest and, that, and that, that needs to waken us up a little bit and not just keep, oh, yeah, well, Judas, that would never happen. But, but we need to look at Judas more honestly as we continue. And it's tragic. Judas was close. He knew Jesus. He saw Jesus do all kinds of miracles. So what he did is not so far off from what you and I are capable of doing. Okay, he 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 betrayed Jesus, and it was likely an inner struggle with sin. Okay, we just confessed sin earlier. Let's personalize it a little bit. Have you struggled with sin? Do you struggle with I know I shouldn't do this, and you do it anyway, or with Well, maybe if I do this, it'll and you justify it. Look at look at the 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 tragedy that continues that we see. In Judas. look in verse um, in verse 27. What does it say? Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. So earlier in verse two, you can look there, I don't have it up here on the screen. Earlier in verse two, we see a different progression involving Satan, that Satan kind of planted this idea or this seed in his heart. But now Satan actually enters into him. So a couple things. I want to spend some time here on this, on the demonic, all right, on spiritual warfare. Because hear me, church, it is massively more real than you and I care to acknowledge. And it's massively less impressive than than we want to think. So first of all, in our world today, hear me right now, it's, it's real. I'm talking about demonic satanic influence this isn't like wait you actually believe that like if if you don't um i want to tell you yes we do oh i thought you were educated well i'm not that educated but i thought educated dr gary nebeker is very educated and he believes it (laughs) all right it's not it's but oh this we're in the west we're 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 awakened we don't believe this stuff hear me now there's this this quote that we've shared before this um satan his goal is to trip you up, not to scare you. okay in our cultural context right now, he's okay not getting all the views, all the all the craziness, all the all like what comes to mind for you with demonic oppression right with with Satan putting something into someone's heart or Satan entering someone It's probably like sacrificing goats, right? Ouija boards, blood on the forehead and nose or doing this, doing a dance maybe, convulsing. If you ever saw The Exorcist like I did when I was like eight and my parents wondered why I had demonic nightmares, right? And you think, oh, it's like head spinning around, pea soup, you know, it's this kind of craziness, is ugly and that stuff happens and is real and is, and is ugly and is scary. But it's often especially in our cultural context, not like that. Okay, so before I go into what it is, um, I also want to say this, that, 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 that sometimes we, we keep things at a theological distance, and there's a question, and some of us probably right now even want to go there. Well, wait a minute, did, did Satan actually enter his heart? Well, that can't happen to a believer, right? That can't happen to a, a Christian. And in some theologies, and I would want to explain it this way and talk through this in a systematic theology. Oh, so a follower of Jesus, a Christian, can be oppressed but not possessed. Can, you can't be taken over, but you can be, um, you can be like, influenced. And I would just simply say right now, um, that's the wrong question. Alright, if, 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 if the Holy Spirit indwells you, can another spirit take over or reside there? I don't think so. But I also think we try to give ourselves a, 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 an easy pass too quickly and not acknowledge the, the dangers that we're flirting with when we give room for demonic activity in our lives. And as I said earlier, hear me, it's much less, less fantastic. Than we want to think. What does demonic activity look like in our life? What did it look like in Judas's life? Um, let, let's read actually a, a, a passage from Colossians to look a, a little bit um, of what it probably looked like for Judas and does in our day as well. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. This has been referred to and often talked about or preached about as the mortification of sin or putting sin to death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So pause with me for a moment. Look back at that list. What is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Elsewhere, these same kind of lists would include things like gossip. How many of us think when we're gossiping about someone, we're inviting demonic influence in our lives? Right? Some of those things we have are like kind of acceptable sins and unacceptable sins. Oh, well, um, sexual immorality, oh, that means like having an affair and going all the way, not, you know, dabbling in in porn, not looking at the Instagram parts that are going to take me to places that, you know, is. oh, like um, financial, financial, uh, you know, dishonesty, justifying. We think, oh, that's kind of, that's in this gray zone. No, there is, hear me right now. There is a kingdom of heaven, which if you are a part of Jesus' body, you're a follower of Christ, you are a part of his kingdom. He's the king. He is ruling. And then there's kingdom, a kingdom or kingdoms of this world. There's one kingdom of this world with many different faces, I would say and there's no neutral ground. Most of us tend to approach Christianity. We approach following Jesus as though it's like, most of my life is kind of lived in the neutral zone, it's kind of in the gray zone. I'm just kind of, there's a pretty wide, broad, neutral zone. I'm not really, I'm not doing demonic stuff, right? I'm not playing with goats and, you know, all that stuff and wheezy boards. And, and yeah, it's until, except for like on, you know, Sunday mornings or on Saturdays or on certain times, I, you know, I go over here and then I'm really, I'm really pressing into the kingdom of heaven. But most of the time, it's just like, I'm just doing it. I'm just, I don't know, living my life. I'm going through this. Let me tell you that there's no neutral zone. There's a kingdom of heaven over which Jesus is ruling, and we submit to him, and there's a kingdom of this world which Satan, for a time, has been given reign. His days are numbered. He's not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He's not he, all the qualities of God. He's not, okay? So hear me now. There's, he's, he's not to be ultimately feared, Okay, but it, we should recognize just how he is smarter, more wily than any one of us in this room. He probably knows each of us better than we know ourselves. He's crafty, his demons. There's one, one head demon named Satan and then multiple little minions, demons, who are also scary and wily and crafty. And they want nothing more than to trip you and me up. But hear me now. Let me encourage you for a moment because I already shared a little bit about my child and all these things. Ultimately, he has already been given the knockout punch. If you follow Jesus, you have nothing to fear. Whatever might happen, if you are in Christ, you are already more than a conqueror. Satan has already been dealt a knockout blow and he is wandering around the the ring and his demons are wandering around and they're looking like a drunk person stumbling out of a bar about to hit the canvas. It's happening. It hasn't happened yet. But what you and I foolishly so often do is we walk right into a flailing punch. Oh, I'm just walking in the neutral zone right now. Bam. Oh, I was listening to just the music I always listen to. I was talking to my coworkers like I always do. I was dabbling with my boyfriend or girlfriend like I always do. And boom. And Judas was doing the same thing. And it's, again, much less spectacular as you and I want to believe. Some commentaries believe that he was trying to line his pockets, right? And elsewhere we learn. He's like, yeah, I don't know. This whole looks like the ship is sinking. Jesus has started talking about death. Maybe he's the smartest one of all the disciples, and he's the only one who's actually listening. And he's like, man, well, Jesus is going to die. I guess I should kind of sell him out. Like, I don't want to sink. I don't want to be, you know, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, so he, he, got some, he got some money for it, right? And like, what, you know, he was just trying to be shrewd. He's trying to take care of his family, whatever. Others, though, believe that maybe he was actually trying to force Jesus' hand a bit. Maybe he was more well-intended. That maybe he was thinking, you know what? If Jesus' hand is put to the fire a little bit, Then he'll call down some legions of angels to finally bring in his kingdom and get rid of Rome, and we can really thrive as God's people. He may have. I don't know. But either way, he's participating in the kingdom of this world. And hopefully you see even in this last year, right, many Christians have done the same kind of thing. Oh, well, man, I know this is what the end justifies the means, Right? Rather than submitting and saying, God, it looks crazy right now. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand, but, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm just, you know, I, I submit to you. I'll do it your way. Everything in me wants to do it another way, but I'll submit to you and I'll follow you. All right, but, 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 but many have, I think, said, well, I don't really know. It's kind of confusing right now. Maybe this is what it should look like. Maybe we should usher in his kingdom this way. Maybe we should deal with immorality in the world this way. Okay, picking back up with me, if you can put Colossians back up there, look at the last half of that, the way Jesus says, right? Rather than we put all those things to death, rather than living in that way, live instead this way. You must put all of those things away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in all, is all and in all. What would it look like, church, if we actually lived this way? How many of us, how many fellow Christians throughout the last year took seriously this charge to put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and instead thought, I'm an image bearer of Christ and so is my fellow image bearer of Christ. And there's no longer Greek or Jew in our day It would be uh, conservative, progressive, um, you know, wealthy, poor. Um, there are those things Marcus talked about last week, culturally, ethnically, right? There's, there's conversations to be had, but my first identity, is a follower of Jesus, is an image bearer of God. And that, dry, I belong to him now. In his kingdom, though everything in me and the world around me says, man, you got to blast. You got to get on there and you got to dunk on some people, right? You need, to, you, need to, you, got, like, you need to put people straight. You need to deal with things, all this stuff. That is Judas. It is. It's the kingdom of this world. It's I'm going to make sense. I'm going to protect my way of life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to force God's hand to work the way I think he should. And, and the alternative is, God, I submit to you. Though I'm Jewish and that person is Greek and that person has enslaved my family and tells jokes at my expense, this person who is from that background and is at the same table, the Lord's table, um, I guess I'm not to... Be angry with them or slander them, have conflict with them. Maybe call out their sin, ask for forgiveness. You know, p- press in deeper. Yes, but divide and separate and participate in the ways of the kingdom of this world. Absolutely not. And we're way too comfortable doing it, and we keep Judas. And we don't name. We're, I don't name my kid Judas. I don't I have nothing to do with Judas. He's so far away. I'm nothing like him. But in reality. We're much closer. Consumerism, gossip, slander, pornography, all kinds of different ideologies. These are the kingdoms of this world that ultimately lead us to justify turning our back on Jesus. But there is hope in Christ. Look in um, chapter 13, verse 21 with me real quick as we continue to kind of land the plane but look at what life with Jesus looks like. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified. So Jesus was troubled. Um, in a couple months, we're going to come back to John, and we're going to be in, we're going to r- wrap up John next week, and then we'll be back. We're going to pause for the countercultural convictions series. But when we come back, if you're astute and you're remembering, we'll be in chapter fourteen. And you'll see that Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Wait a minute. Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And then Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. It's the same word. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is troubled. He sees sin for what it is. It's sad. It's destructive. It's not the way things should be. It's it's life lived apart from God, and Jesus says, or he is troubled, he's grieved, he's weary, but he's not ultimately devastated. When he says, let not your hearts be troubled, he's inviting us into the, the, the life in Christ that we are all called into. Okay, if you put your faith in Jesus, I hope you know this, it's not just a get out a hell-free card it's not just oh one day i'll i'll kind of you know c- c- come around and it'll all um, you know it'll all uh, it'll just it'll all be figured out one day no it's life now it's intimacy with your creator it's 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 being reconciled with the one who knows you who formed you who 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 made you in his likeness who knows every number of hairs on your head and every day of your life and so what it looks like it looks like to not be troubled like christ it's to ultimately know that this is not the end. It's to, ultima- it's to be sad and grieved, but not ultimately devastated. H- how many of us have, have been prone to slander, all these different things, because we're devastated, we're exhausted, we're so beat down that we then choose to figure it out our way. Jesus was troubled, but not like that. He was grieved. He was saddened. We we should grieve over sin, if not, then we're getting calloused and numb. If it's too easy to laugh at, you know, broken homes, to laugh at politicians who are stumbling over each other, trying to build their own kingdoms, if we're if we're too easily calloused, like th- that should grieve us. But on the flip side, um we can look at sin and say, you don't win. I'm not, I'm not troubled, ultimately, because I'm not devastated. I'm sad, I grieve, but I also know it doesn't get the last say. In the end, in the last verse here, right, it says that Judas went out into the night. That's not just like giving an account like, oh, well, by the way, it was a, you know 30 degrees by 60 degrees, and it happened to be night, and it's like, okay, good, thanks. No, that's intentional, creative writing telling us that Judas had removed himself from Christ's cover and gone out into the darkness. Whereas all throughout, we're told, even at the very beginning, right, that Jesus is light, and in him there is no darkness. One day, he will put an end to sin and suffering, ultimately. And right now, you and I live in the now and not yet the shape of our lives the christian life is going to be like jesus we're going to move toward sorrow we're going to move toward pain we move toward f- families that are on the verge of divorce we move toward families that are on the verge of getting their their children taken away we we move toward poverty we we cuz you know what that's where jesus is and it's painful and it's sad and we will be troubled but there Ultimately, we know that in Jesus, where there is death, there is always what? Resurrection. There is always life. And so we are invited into many deaths and resurrection throughout our life. We are invited into, into oneness with Jesus that is the, hear me now, the only clarifying filter reality in our entire lives. It's not well. You don't know what kind of home I was born conservative. I'm from the Midwest, or I'm I'm from uh, the you know the left lo- lo- coast, left coast, best coast, right? I'm Tupac. I, I live out here. This is I'm more granola. I just justify things this way. I sm- smoke a little weed, and then I list, and I just that's just who I am. And we ju- whatever it is, we justify ourselves all over the place wherever we are. I'm trying to trying to be equally offensive here, okay. <laughs> So we're doing it all over here. And, 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 and whatever it is, it's outside of Jesus. Instead, we say, this is my family background. This is my cultural identity. But ultimately, most fundamentally and foundationally, I belong to Jesus. It looks like this. In verse 23, what does John say about himself? One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. He's going to say that a lot more and i've even made fun of it like, "oh, you know, that's a humble brag." It's not. I'm convinced that John is 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 giving us a clue into his only life-defining identity. I'm loved by Jesus. I have nothing to prove and nobody to impress because when i try to use my identity my stature my bank account my my how cool my family is on instagram whatever else it is all these things it ultimately fails but my identity is found in jesus no matter what i look like no matter what i say no matter what my job is no matter no matter who agrees with me or doesn't no matter who gives me pats on the back i'm loved by jesus that pushes me into hard, broken, difficult places, but it ultimately always leads to life. What would it look like, church, for you and me to no longer justify, to perhaps unknowingly participate in the kingdoms of this world, but instead to find hope in Christ and to live out that identity every moment of every day and every relationship and every interaction we have. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we need you. We belong to you. Um, We love you. Lord, I pray anyone in here right now who's maybe been opening themselves up to demonic influence, Lord, uh, all of us, who are prone to do that, we first and foremost, we rely on your mercy. I pray that your mercy and your grace would comfort everyone here, that they're, Lord, that no one would feel so overwhelmed that they, they are hopeless. Lord, I do pray though, that as your spirit leads, that Lord, that you will shake us up, that maybe you have convicted us, Lord, to recognize we are playing with fire while we are stagger walking around a, a boxing ring with, 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 with flailing fists, that we put ourselves before and get knocked out by, Lord, would you, would, you, would you call us out of darkness and allow us to set up shop firmly grounded in the light where you are? Lord Jesus, thank you that we are so deeply loved by you that that defines everything. I pray that your love would lead us to confession, to repentance, and to intimacy with you. Amen.